Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We have an enemy, Satan, who is known as the accuser of the brethren. He loves to accuse us. He loves to condemn us. So we feel condemned and I'm sorry, God, I did it. And I guess I did you really forgive me? I don't know that you can really forgive me. And so Jesus just, he's there and he goes to God and he goes, they're guilty. But Father, I paid for their sin. I died in their place. God says, forgiven, forgotten. I need that in my life. Do you need that in your life? That's my defense attorney. Praise God. Jesus' death was in place for our sins. Even though he was perfect, he willingly went to the cross for us. We may have heard this truth many times, but we shouldn't miss the importance of this fact. He stepped in the way of the devil's best shot and took one for all of mankind so that we could win the game of life. He took on the pain and suffering of our sins, and because of his sacrifice, we can know that we all have victory. Would you be willing to die for someone's sins, even though you were innocent? That is how much Jesus loves us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 1, with our continuing study entitled, Jesus, God's Provision for Sinful Mankind. God was removing their guilt from the second goat because it symbolized the sins of the people being carried away, never to be held against them again. Now, there's some speculation, probably true to to a fact. Uh, This man would lead the goat out into the wilderness far enough that it would never return. Just keep going and going and going and going. And there was some belief that there'd be different people on different spots all the way back as this goat would go and be just ever. That's why he would just never return. Once that goat was far enough that he would never come back here, he would just go out in the wilderness and find another way to live or whatever. The word would come back to those people. Your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. And it would finally come back to the people, to to one of the men there, and he would say this, your sins are gone. You'd go, oh, really? Would, Would you like celebrate if you heard that? Now, I want you to watch me. This is our sin. It's been covered, but we have trouble with guilt, don't we? Sometimes we say this, you know, God's forgiven you. Let it go. But who keeps bringing it back? Satan, the accuser. How dare you? You did it again. What? You call yourself a Christian? And we have guilt. Guilt's horrible, isn't it? I hate guilt. You hate it. So I want you to do something in a moment. I want you to say goodbye. Get your hands and say, bye-bye. 
Let's say it together. I'm going to say that our sins are gone with a little excitement now. Here we go. One, two, three. All the campuses, our sins are gone. Come on now. What's the alternative? Well, let's get the bus ready and go to hell. Our sins are removed. They're gone. To be remembered no more. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Do you know nobody in the world can do what you just did? Because they're loaded down with guilt. Now, the Bible tells us right from the beginning that these animal sacrifices, the shedding of blood, were simply a shadow. And uh, since the sins were only covered, they all, all of these things in the Old Testament pointed to the real sheep, the real solution to man's sin, which was Jesus Christ, because he would not cover their sins, he would take their sins away. Remove them, forgive them. Let me read to you Hebrews uh, 10.1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. And then Hebrews 10.4, look on the overhead. This is the principle. This is why everything in the Old Testament was good. It was right, but it was temporary. Hebrews 10.4, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Covered them. Covered them. Covered their sins. Now, at the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. One day he was walking to be water baptized and then filled with the Spirit. And let's turn to John one twenty nine, And you'll begin to see a picture right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He knew it. John the Baptist knew it. And pretty soon the disciples would get it, even though it would be a hard thing for them to put together. John one twenty nine. all of our campuses, look at it. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Do you know this, that the book of Revelation tells us that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world? Sebastian, what do you mean? Before the world was formed, Jesus was already slain. In other words, God knew that Jesus would have to be slain for the sin of mankind. God already knew that man would fail. And yet he loved man so much, he provided the solution even before the world. See, people say, well, God's a mean God. Really? He provided the solution before you and I were even had a world to be on. Now, for the next three years, what did Jesus do? He lived a sinless life. Perfect. Jesus knew himself, obviously, that he was going to be the permanent solution for man's sin problem. So, Old Testament 
simple when we went through it. Understand, it was temporary. It was animal sacrifices. It simply covered the sin. When we come to the New Testament, what do we see? Take a look. Write it down. New Testament, sin solution, it's permanent. Not Never going to change. It involves Jesus' death, and it removes the sin. Permanent in the sense also that it's done once, and it's done forever. Not yearly, not every time we sin, done once. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. The sacrifice is done. True and true. Now let me read you how that sounds in the book of Hebrews. Unlike the other high priests, Hebrews 7, he, Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins, like Aaron had to do as a high priest, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So when we take communion, for instance, we're not sacrificing Jesus again. It's done. It's finished. We're celebrating what he did once and for all when he offered himself. Now, as you begin to see, there's a scripture that some people that even call themselves Christians don't believe. Some Christians say Jesus sinned. Well, if he Jesus sinned, then we have no Savior and we have no solution for our sin. That's a total lie. Notice how the Bible puts it, exquisitely clear. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, that atonement for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He who had no sin became sin for us. That's why he was able to be our sacrifice. That reconciliation. I couldn't do it for myself. Adam and Eve, the leaves didn't work. Their good works didn't work. Your, your money, your church membership, your, your water baptism, any kind of thing you want to come up with, your good works will not do it. It's a life for a life. So God out of love sent Jesus to basically be our substitutionary atonement. It's always a substitute. He's our substitute. He exchanged his righteousness, and on him our sin went. He took your sin. He took my sin on himself, and he bore the punishment. What is the punishment of sin? Death. Was he physically murdered? Yes, he was, even though he yielded himself to that death. Was he separated from God? Yes, he was. Father, where are you? For the first time ever, when he took your sin and my sin on him, God couldn't look at Jesus because he was no longer holy. He took your sin and my sin upon himself. Why? Because God loves sinful man. Now, turn to 1 John chapter 2, which is our whole topic tonight, and watch how this fits together very clean. 1 John chapter 2, John writes this. My dear children, when you see somebody say, my dear children, you know the guy is getting old in life because it's real special, like great, great, great grandkids. He, he, John is 
you know, very old. My, my dear children, endearment, just an endearment. I write this. Remember we said to you when we started the book of First John, there's like five or six main reasons John wrote the book. This is one of them. I write this to you so that you will not sin, period. Now, if it didn't go on, we're in trouble tonight, aren't we? But watch his next verse. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ. Notice the righteous one, the sinless one. He is, here it is again, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, what John's right? Why, why does John say that? I write this so you will not sin. That was John's goal. What he's trying to say to believers is this. You, you don't have to sin. But he knows he, was, he did and we will too. But we can learn to sin what? Less. So God's desire that we don't sin, but he knows we will. John knows we will. And so even though we do it less and less and less, we need somebody to come to the rescue. So notice two provisions. I want you to write them down. God's first provision is Jesus, our advocate. He, in essence, we would say today, he's our defense lawyer. He's on our side. Now, many of you know that when Jesus died and was resurrected and he went back to heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells us he's there interceding for you and me. He's our defense attorney. Now, why do we need a defense attorney? Because we have an enemy, Satan, who is known as the accuser of the brethren. He loves to accuse us. He loves to condemn us. So we feel condemned, and I'm sorry, God, I did it, and I guess I did you really forgive me? I don't know that you can really forgive me. And so Jesus just, he's there, and he goes to God, and he goes, they're guilty, but Father, I paid for their sin. I died in their place. God says, forgiven, forgotten. I need that in my life. Do you need that in your life? That's my defense attorney. Praise God. He doesn't charge by the hour. Once and for all, it's done. Now, I want to ask you, how many of you in our campuses keep him quite busy? I'll just move right along from that. The second thing you see in this verse is powerful too. What's another provision from God? God's provision for our sin is Jesus our atoning sacrifice. I want you to think about those two words that I have at both of these statements. God's provision. Put that up there again, would you? God's provision for our sin is Jesus, our atoning, our atoning sacrifice. Remember the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve try to cover themselves. They don't know what else to do. They're guilty. They run. They're afraid. The relationship is broken. Who provides for them? God does. Don't ever say that God's angry at you. No, God, God wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. He has a solution. Here we are again. God's provision for sin. We have a defense attorney, number one. We have an atoning sacrifice that takes care of my sin. Look at Romans 3. I'm going to read this for you. You need to hear it. Romans 3.23, you know this verse. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, yet God, not us, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Satan says you're condemned. 
you're not worth it. You sinned again and you told God you wouldn't. Our defense attorney says, they're guilty, but I paid for it. God says, charge canceled. You're free. That's huge. Look at the next. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Remind yourself, what was the penalty? Spiritual separation forever in hell. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. Here we go again. Shedding his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. How could you take the blood principle from the Bible? You dilute it to nothing but man's liberal ideas. Jesus' sacrifice and death freed us. We are now at one mint. We can live in unity, in harmony, in oneness with God here and forever in eternity. But there's more. There's more good news. Look at the end of verse 2 again. Look at it. It's very important you see this. And not only for ours, but all our sins, but also for the sins, say it with me, of the whole world. Now, there's a lot of funky doctrine that goes into that. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time. I'll just tell you what I absolutely believe. There's some people, and they're, they're wonderful people. I'm just not one of them. They believe that one of their, fi- their points, in, to me, in extreme Calvinism, is, un- is limited atonement, that God only died for certain people that were elect. I don't believe that at all. John 3.16, God so loved the world. Here's another one, for all the people. There's another one that's even worse. Let me tell you what the only one that's worse is. It's called universalism. It means, as you read that verse, well, I'm forgiven. Praise God. The whole world's already forgiven. We don't have to do anything. God died for you. His son died for us. We're free. Praise God. No, because we already learned there has to be a confession. There has to be a belief. And there has to be a receiving of the gift of salvation. So you'll hear people say, well, I'm already forgiven. Really? How'd you do that? Well, God died for me. I'm forgiven. No, you're not forgiven. So where, where does that go? This promise of salvation, by the way, is for all. But it's only for all who will confess and repent and believe. Now, to be honest, just before we take communion tonight, right here, I want you to look at me. Do you know that you're going to go to heaven tonight because of what I just taught? There's no other way. But the world needs to know it, guys. The world, they just don't get it. So that's a huge part of us. Now, let me just share this with you, and then we'll begin that whole process, which is going to be good. I want to ask you a question. You saw what happened to specifically this sheep. This would be Jesus. He died for you. I'm a sinner tonight. Let's just call myself a sinner. I've never accepted Christ. I might believe in God. I might even believe in Jesus. I'm a sinner. I want to ask you a question. All of campus. I want you to be very serious about this. This is your eternal destiny. Now, since you're a sinner, 
and sin will cause you to end up in hell forever, what are you going to do about your sin? There's nothing you can do at all. But if you'll do what God says to do, I want to show you what happens. Remember the, the slate at the beginning? I will not, I will not, I will not. Let me show you what happens when you come to Christ. Hallelujah. Could I hear an amen somewhere? The slate is clean. How are you going to do that? Well, you can't do that by being good enough. You remember the leaves didn't work. God had to kill an animal and shed blood. So let me show you tonight two verses. And then I'm going to ask you to make a change in your life to really get saved here at our campuses. John 1.12. Yet to all who received him, he, to all who believed on his name, believe means enough to confess your sins and follow him, he gave the right to become children of God. Remember what John said? My dear children. They were children of God. How that happened? They received him as Lord and Savior. They believed on his name. Now here's the big one. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you have to admit you're a sinner. You have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ paid for your sin on the cross and was resurrected. It worked. If he was still in the grave, it would have never worked for any of us. But he was resurrected. The power of God resurrected him. It was a sacrifice received. You have, to, you have to admit you're a sinner. You have to agree that Jesus Christ died for you. And then you have to confess him and repent and then just receive him by faith. He said, well, Pastor Mark, how do I know he saves me? Because he tells you he will. And God cannot lie. Now, here's my heart, and it's the heart of everybody that's already a believer in this place and in any of our campuses. We want you to go to heaven with us. But way less than God wants you. He's done everything for you. So in a moment, we're just going to bow our heads quickly in all our campuses. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Christians, you're going to begin praying right now. If you're here and you can't say to me tonight, Pastor Mark, I took care of my sin a long time ago. I've confessed my sin to God. I've believed in him. I am received him as my Lord and Savior personally. I'm following him right now today. I'm in relationship with him. I'm following him and I'm all set. If you can't say that, or if you can't say this, well, Pastor Mark, I, I used to follow God, but I backslidden. Then you need to make a recommitment tonight. He shed his blood for you, not, not to backslide and walk off and do something on your own, but to come to him. So if you don't know when you die tonight, you'd go to heaven. And the only reason you know you can go there is because Jesus lives in your heart. If you haven't taken care of your sin problem, you have no chance of going to heaven until you do. God's provision for our sins is Jesus Christ. He is our advocate. He is our defense attorney. We didn't have to pay a penny for this defense attorney. He paid all of our charges. Our penalty for our sin was eternal death in hell. But Jesus took our penalty and paid the full price so that we could escape the penalty. Now, we can live with God in heaven for eternity. That is good news. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we will talk about obedience. God tells us that if we love Him, we will obey His commandments. It sounds like a simple task, just obey. But how often do we like to do things our own way, thinking that we know what's best and then we get into trouble? God gives us these commands to protect us from getting hurt, just like parents do with their own children. How much easier our lives would be if we just obeyed. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons.